Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, B2B buddies. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I've got a change of pace episode. I've got Mike Chisholm from the Letterman podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the entire career of David Letterman, all the way from the morning show to his current shows on Netflix. And Mike is really doing this podcast right. I am a huge Letterman fan, and he's an even bigger Letterman fan. As you know, as a comic, Letterman was very, very good to comics and launched quite a few careers himself, just like his mentor, Johnny Carson. And I, ju- I just absolutely love this podcast. He's had a couple of my guests on, and Eddie Brill and Tom Dreesen, and this is just a great podcast. So look it up, the Letterman podcast. There will be a link to it in the show notes. And make sure to give the Letterman podcast a listen because it's a good one. And as far as this interview, it's a good one. Let's bring Mike out, Mike Chisholm. Oh, Mike, Scott, how are you? Good, brother. It's a genuine pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you very much for saying those kind words. We will do our very, very best to live up to them. Yeah, I really, you know, I from from the first episode, I was just like, okay, this guy gets it. He knows Letterman, and he loves Letterman. He loves what he did for entertainment, and I just thought you know, anything I can do to help you out would, would, uh, would make me feel good about, uh, your podcast and everything. And I, I am just, I'm, I'm stoked to talk to somebody who is as much of a Letterman fan as I am. Oh man. Yeah. Um, for me, it is an honor to do this. Um, I, 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 I suffered, uh, with a whole bunch of imposter syndrome before uh, before the episode before the first episode came out, this is something that is years in the making. Um, <clears throat> and and I was kind of like you in the sense that I always expected that you know the Carson podcast has been around for a long time. Mark Malkoff, mm-hmm. friend friend of ours, friend of our show, um, and and I always expected someone else to do the Letterman podcast, and and I was waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it and and. As that was happening, I was becoming kind of friendly with folks who worked for the show, and and uh, and and it was evolving there. And we can get into as much or as little of that story as you want. But um, as that was happening, um, major life events were happening. Um, we lost uh, we lost Tony Mendez, mm. Inky, um, and 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 it was Alan Coulter. Like we lost Alan Coulter, and I'm like, oh my, oh my God, we're we're missing the opportunity here. We need to get it going right now. Yeah. And the other catalyst was the fact that I am, um, I'm flabbergasted by how quickly, and you and I, as I say this, you are going to relate to me when I say this statement, but 25-year-olds who are just as uh, engrossed in comedy and things uh, might not. I was mm-hmm. flabbergasted with how fast Johnny Carson was forgotten by the world. 
Yeah. I mean, we're talking about one of the biggest stars that ever lived. <clears throat> and so it just became this thing where it was like, no, you know what? I am going to, I'm going to be the guy and I'm going to start it. And uh, we've had nothing but really, really positive. Even any critiques that we've had have been so constructive. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited about being a person that helps to transfer the knowledge of what I believe is the greatest body of broadcasting work of all time, which is uh, David Letterman's entire run. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super excited to be that guy and to talk to people like you. Yeah. You mentioned that you put a lot of work into this before you brought it live. And yeah. that's one thing I can tell. I, there, There's something like I don't I don't know how many million podcasts there are out there right now. And and I'm sure you've checked out a podcast that had promise and you found out it was just utter shit. And yep. I've done the same thing. And yep. um I did the same thing with this show. I you know, I I put a year of 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 work into it finding out, you know, what's the niche? What am I going to do? What, what am I doing this different than everybody else? Is this worth yeah. it? And you, you talk about imposter syndrome. I'm like, am I really the guy to do this? I'm not that, I'm not that great of a comedian. I'm a hobbyist. Am, am I the dude that should be doing this? But nobody was doing it like me, just like what you, you said. So, you know, I said, okay, let's do it. And, and I'm, I'm glad I do it. And I'm glad I pay attention to other podcasts that come out and give them a shot because you know letterman is was such a big influence on me and um and you know my letterman story you know i'll just tell you real quick is it's the morning show um so the morning show came out when i think i was a senior in high school i was either a junior or senior in high school and i think i was homesick one day and watched it and i just started skipping school so i could watch it (laughs) And I, I think they did, it was either 60 or 90 episodes. I probably saw at least half of them. And Six weeks of truancy for you, hey, Scott? Yeah, yeah. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was uh, you know, it was a nutty show. And I just, I just loved what uh, Dave did with it. Uh, Rich Hall was just nuts on that show. And yeah. I just absolutely thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then when it went off the air, I was like, oh, man, you know, no more Dave. And then mm-hmm. lo and behold, he gets to uh, do late night. And then uh, it, it was just me staying up late watching uh letterman every single night no matter what yeah you know um <clears throat> there are many people who have uh, similar stories about the morning show including um you know top of the heat with conan o'brien mm-hmm. conan you know he, he what i think he was uh, in high school or, or just getting ready for college or something like that or maybe he was first year of college and, and again seeing it on the tv wait what is this you know <laughs> yeah. and i mean I, I, yeah what a what a strange placement for a strange, wonderful show, deconstructing things, uh, throwing it in the morning. Um, you know, it was almost like NBC just had this holding deal and was like, okay, we got to do something with them. Okay, well, let's try something different. To their credit, uh, seeing the talent that they had there, to their credit, taking a chance on something, and to their credit, uh, retooling it and bringing it back. Uh, for the uh, for 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 the, uh, the 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 pot smoking college crowd, yeah. Um, and 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 it, in my opinion, uh, early mid eighties uh, hippest show on TV. Yeah, uh, really. At oh, the yeah. end of the day, uh, so so groundbreaking in so many ways. Um, for me, 
I'm younger. I'm only 46 at the time of this broadcast, and and mm-hmm. which which is part of the reason why I think the imposter syndrome is starting is is really fading for me now. I like the fact that I am a little bit younger, um, in the sense of elementary school for me. I would literally wait for my father to finish Carson, and 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 I would. <laughs> Uh, I told this on another episode uh, somewhere along the way. Um, I would drink glasses of water before I went to bed. So I'd have to go and relieve myself. <laughs> and around the time when my father would either finish the monologue of Carson or finish Carson completely and go upstairs. And then I would sneak out. We didn't come from money at all. We had one TV in the family room. Yeah. And, and, and it was the old tube TV, the really thick, you know, radiation, I would sit up to it really, really close and low volume. <laughs> and I would watch late night because it was so zany. And yeah. a, a kid, a little kid could access it. It's like, uh, you know, these new Apple iPhone devices and things like that. You see two or three-year-olds who are accessing it. It's so simple to understand it mm-hmm. and to and to identify with it. And I felt that way and it just never stopped. So, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely hit me right from the very beginning, even when I was a child. That's that's great. And <laughs> one of the things that really sticks out for me, you know, Dave had two real loves. I mean, he would talk to a lot of people, but he had yeah. two real loves, he, comedians and music. And yeah. he had the best musicians and band, and sometimes bands nobody ever heard of um, yeah. until they did that show. And comedians, I mean, he really had a love for stand-up that allowed him to bring on comedians that weren't weren't mainstream at all i mean i think he gave emo phillips his first spot um he um i mean jeff altman was on like 20 30 times uh you know carol leifer john witherspoon larry miller you know folks all different types of comedians but he gave he gave them a platform and then the funny thing is is he brought them on when they were first starting out or just starting to get some traction but if they had a project come up after that like larry miller would be in a movie or something like that then he would have him on then too and do a panel discussion so he had a real love for stand-up because he did it and i i think that uh that i mean that stuck with him all the way to the final show well it's funny i don't i don't know like you talk about yourself as an amateur stand-up i've done it uh a few times here coming out of COVID, and and i i do it for the reason that i believe dave did it it's it's like um didn't aspire to be a stand-up comedian, knew I would have to do it as a through line, knew I'd need to have it mm-hmm. as, a, as a discipline under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, I feel like it's a really valuable endeavor to, to try and, and get out there to connect with people. Uh, and if you, then if you can make them laugh, you can connect, that's fantastic. You make them laugh, that's, uh, that's the cream on top. Um, and, and also the people that he worked with back in the day at the comedy store, how many of those people who he did not forget? You know, talk about George Miller. How many times he'd been on the show? Uh, Jimmy Walker. Look at Jimmy. How many times is it late in a Dave's run? Yeah. You know, with, with Jimmy Walker still on the show and, and, and guys like that. I love how um, I said this to Dreesen uh, when he was on a, a few weeks ago. Um, it was it was just was it a night off for you? Was it just two guys you know palling around, or did you come with some stuff prepared? He's like, yeah, I came with some stuff prepared, but. But it wasn't like a normal comedian on panel 
who yeah. was up and coming, where they where Dave was just setting the the volleyball for them to spike yeah. and do their routine. It was it was him really enjoying reminiscing about the old days, and 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 it was kind of a night off when guys like that and gals like that would come on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Those were always my favorite episodes. Was when someone from back in the day showed up uh, in the guest chair. I loved that yeah. so much. Yeah. One of the things that I found in talking to a lot of his contemporaries from the comedy store is uh, he, he was not an asshole. He was a genuinely nice guy. Everybody liked him. And the funny thing is, is when the strike happened, everybody from both sides liked him. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was, you know, I mean, they were pissed off at him for being uh, on on the strike side, some of them, but they still they still said, you know, Dave's cool. And uh, and yeah. and uh, so that reputation going going forward when he started the show, you know, he just he, he had a lot of great baked in guests, but he just kept having him. It was, you know, he could have said, OK. Jeff Altman, I'll have you on a couple times, but yep. he would have Jeff Altman on. I think anytime Jeff wanted to come on, absolutely. And, uh, and and there's a list of people who 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 are in that category. Um, he's very loyal. Yeah. And 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 like Carson, uh, you know, and and, and I mean, I, I, I with Carson, there was a few people that crossed him, and they never came on the show again. I, I yeah. don't necessarily think that Dave was known so much for that, but the loyalty, though. Uh, very similar to Carson in the sense of if you were a friend of the show, if you were a friend of Dave earlier on, if you were a friend of the show, you were constantly invited back. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love that about Dave. Yeah. And, you know, the the flip side of that was his love for music. And, you know, one yes. of the one of the um, most bittersweet pieces of TV I've ever seen in my life was the Warren Zevon episode. Warren Zevon, absolutely. Yep. And, uh, you know, I... Holy. Yeah, it's I go back and watch it, and you know, all the emotions come up again because I was a huge Warren Z. Well, I am a huge Warren Zevon fan too, and j- just the fact that, you know, he just said, uh, you know, screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a Zevon show. He's not gonna be here with us much longer, so I'm just gonna devote the whole hour to him. Uh, I love that. I love you know, and there's a few times in his career where he was sentimental about something. Um, and he would, and he would really go full force with it. Of course, the Carson tribute episode being the other, the one that comes to mind immediately, the Warren Zevon thing, um, the, the, the story about Warren's guitar, which I'm sure you've heard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where he hands it to him. Well, I'm not going to need this much longer. And the gravity <laughs> of that, yeah. um, my God. Uh, and the fact that, that, that Dave is so sentimental and, yeah. and, and people talk about, some of the other uh, the other aspects of his personality and and, and and just he's so razor sharp and he's so intelligent and and in my opinion uh, expects that of the people who come to the show um, you know early on talking about uh, you know Crispin Glover yeah. right and, and and the the antics that he had and, I, and, and somebody yeah. somebody said well I'm just being like Andy Kaufman no. and and the person responded by saying okay well hold on a second. Andy Kaufman prepares months in advance for when he's going to come on here. He doesn't just come shotgun, loosey goosey. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so people think that because Dave reacts in situations like that, you alluded to the fact that you know, oh, you know, some people think he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, famously, share share uh, through that out in the, in the air. Not at all. He's extremely sentimental. Yeah. And extremely, um, he's got a sensitive personality. 
And and his love for music shows that. And yeah. I think of Warren Zevon. I think of Eddie Vedder. I think of the Foo Fighters. Right. Um, Bob Dylan, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his affection to the Beatles. I mean, how much cool Beatles stuff did he do knowing he's in the Ed Sullivan Theater? Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney playing on the marquee, Ringo Starr. Uh, just very, very, very cool, yeah. cool um, sentimentality when it comes to music. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and, and I think he really shaped... Uh, stand-up comedy in the way that he viewed stardom because you know yes. you, you go you go back to you know interviews with you know Cher, madonna uh you know all these superstars that everybody is supposed to revere and he he looks at them like a a dude from indiana would look at him like who the hell are you and uh make earn, earn your spot in that seat and and with the comedians, they already earned it. And uh, with with everybody else, he's like, yeah, I saw you on the movie. What you got? And and I really, I, I really, really enjoyed the fact that he did that, and he took people down a little bit. And I think stand up comedy changed a little bit as his attitude towards stardom uh, started coming out. Um, because people's, I don't want to say that they were more jaded, but they were more, they, they were, they were more comfortable, um, making fun of folks that were supposed to be superstars. Absolutely. Um, I think, and, and with those people in particular, like, uh, the other dimension I'll add to what you just said is if he had an athlete sitting in the chair beside him. Mm-hmm. He had way more, he, he understood that he was talking to an athlete. Yeah. And, and, and unless there was something egregious happening or, or, you know, he, 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 uh, he wouldn't break out the, uh, break out the speed bag, the comedy speed bag that he could easily, easily turn people into. Yeah. The people that you're talking about though, some of these, uh, stars and, and, and publicly a lot of people say starlets, but I don't think it's just starlets. I think it's anybody who has a camera in front of them all of the time. I don't think Dave was trying to come down on anybody. I think Dave was expecting them to know where they were coming and to elevate themselves to be at the level yeah. of where he was at. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly think that when it came to some of these people who uh, maybe they were making a career off of maybe looking pretty or, or, or saying a certain thing, having a can, whatever, a dimension to them that was just one dimensional. Yeah. And Dave was like, no, if you're going to sit in that chair, let's be multidimensional and you better be ready. Yeah. Don't yep. just be ready to sit back on your laurels. That's how I view it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an extremely intelligent man. And if you don't, if you start screwing around, okay, well, he's going to do something to make it entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to comment about the stand-up thing. Um, uh, folks, again, I talk about how freakish it is that people have forgotten about Johnny Carson and who he was and whatnot. And, uh-huh. um, Back in the day, if you did a stand-up spot on Johnny Carson and you got an okay or a thumbs up or even, holy cow, come sit with me at the table, um, your career was made. The Carson bump, and we're not exaggerating when we say that. Your Mm -hmm. career was made. And um, I love love how Johnny has that. I I think sometimes he gets maybe uh, pigeonholed into into too much of emphasis on that because he was so many other great things as well but that carson bump was the real deal 
Right now, we actually have um, we actually have a, a living, breathing example of that right now, and that's Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah. I've had on my other podcast, I've had people who have actually been on Rogan's podcast before mm-hmm. and have uh, experienced the Rogan bump. You can have one appearance as a standup um, and be on Joe, and your career is made. Yeah, and I don't think there has been an example of that. Um, since then. Now, mm-hmm. in the middle, we have Dave moving over to Late Show. And I personally believe that Dave's um, carrying of the torch of the responsibility to help break new stand-ups is one that was taken very seriously, talking to Eddie Brill. Clearly it was. Versus when Mr. Leno took over The Tonight Show uh, and breaking new stand-ups and whatnot. And I, I, I don't have a list in front of me, but it would be very interesting to see the lists of comics that are gigantic today mm-hmm. and how many of them got their start on, on Letterman. I think about, uh, you know, I don't know if Bill Burr got his start on Letterman, but I know he was there very early. Chappelle yeah. certainly did. Yeah. Um, and, and I just love when a guy like that in that position um, and Dave, certainly Carson being his mentor, took very seriously the idea of stand-ups to the point where his new show, I went down to California a couple weeks ago to watch the taping, you know, uh, the new Netflix show, uh, That's My Time with David Letterman. The idea that uh, Dave comes out, does a monologue, a new up-and-coming stand-up comes out, mm-hmm. does 10 minutes, gets to do five minutes of panel with Dave. I love that he is still doing this, even at 75 yeah. years old. Yeah. He's still breaking new comics. That makes me very happy. Yeah. And I don't want to talk your ear off, dude. I, I apologize. No, no, this is, I, I would, right. I would, uh, on my podcast, when I talk less, it's better. So that. <laughs> I'll take that advice from mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I'm actually talking more on, on this episode than I normally do. I, I usually ask right. a question and I turn my mic off and, and, uh, <laughs> let, let people talk. But, uh, yeah. Um, and you know, his sentimentality and his love for comedy and, and the fact that he really watches it is, uh, very ef- evident in, uh, uh, Norm's, uh, Netflix, uh, special. Oh. Uh, you know, the, the, after the, the panel after that was, it was heart wrenching and you could tell, you could tell Dave was, uh, you know, fighting back tears and cause they, they apparently watched it live there. And I just, uh, I just, I really, I, I really appreciate somebody who can, um, have a small enough ego or not let their ego take over for him that they can really just sit down and appreciate and appreciate somebody else's work. God, uh, that norm special was, uh, it was, it was, uh, emotional and incredible. And, and the way that Netflix did that, um, that they presented it with so much care, mm-hmm. having the collection of people in that room that they did first and foremost, Oh my God, when I saw it, you got Dave and you got Conan and you got Chappelle and David mm. Spade and Sandler was like, oh my God. I, I don't know if I'm missing anybody else there, but um, what a panel that was first and foremost. And then to talk about Norm, um, when when Dave finished his run, and I, I will say this uh, to my dying day, the last six weeks of The Late Show was the greatest run. It's, it's, it's the greatest finish uh, to any show in broadcast history, that last six weeks was yeah. just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Johnny's Johnny's was awesome too. That mm. last year of the love letter, but at the end of the day, um, I think about Norm's very last set. Oh yeah, that was on 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 Late Show, 
and it was a Sandler song, you know, Sandler had the Bette Midler moment. Yeah. Uh, Sandler sang that song today. That was beautiful and amazing. Um, but, but Norm's last stand up. And, and when he said the words, um, you know, Mr. Letterman is not a fan of the sentimental and, 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 and something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no truck. He has no truck for the sentimental is what Norm said. Uh, but when something is uh, true, it's not sentimental. Yeah. And I love you. He was saying what, in my opinion, millions of us would want to express today yeah. if he would hear love, if he would hear compliments even a little bit, which famously he's 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 a little prickly when it comes to compliments. Yeah. <laughs> but Norm got through that shell. Yeah. It was so unexpected. And then to see the fact that Norm was sick and then this special that came out and, and, and hearing the love for him on the other side of things. Well, if that doesn't get you in the heart of fear here, uh, I, I don't even, I don't even know what to say, yeah. uh, especially if you love, if you love stand up and you love comedy and I don't, I don't know what to say if that doesn't get you. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is when, when you put Norm and Dave together, they are, they're very close in their demeanor. And, sure. uh, even though Norm's, uh, a Canuck and Dave's from Indiana, they, they both have that, uh, same demeanor and Norm doesn't like, didn't like compliments either. You know, he just, no. he wanted to go out and do his thing. And I didn't know how much of a soft side he had to him until that special. Cause you know, Dana and, um, um, Sandler were talking about you know he was getting sentimental during that tour all the time and and i didn't even know he had that in him yeah and and the idea that why did he even record the special well in case something i'm having a procedure tomorrow in case something goes south that's why i'm recording this special like the forethought there and okay the procedure was fine but it wasn't too much longer after um that he passed and 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 uh i mean that shows emotion right there. That shows uh, Norm is, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a fellow Canadian, um, I just appreciate, and it is, I, I would say that it's similar to that Midwestern kind of aw shucks, aw shucks kind of, you know, uh, not in your face, but Norm could certainly be in your face if, 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 if and when he wanted to, uh, he was just unique. He was mm-hmm. a unique voice. And, um, one of the things that I appreciate in stand-up very much is someone, uh, you know, when Eddie Brill and I were talking the other day, uh, we were talking about Mitch Hedberg, and then the, the Letterman channel put the Mitch Hed- Hedberg set that he did on Letterman on. Mm-hmm. I love Mitch, and, and, and I mean, he had such a different perspective of how he talked about things, and Norm very much that way, mm-hmm. and I just appreciated that so much about Norm. Um, God damn, he's a guy who, again, why, uh, why start this this podcast well because people like that are starting to starting to go right the ones that are going early are going now yeah and yeah. and and it's like no 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 no. let's 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 do one less hurrah let's talk about this stuff let's let's pass that torch of knowledge to some of the younger people um thank goodness i think that norm has enough reverence from comedians who are at the top of their game right now guys from Chappelle to joe rogan mm-hmm. huge 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 comments have reverence for norm mcdonald and hopefully uh, his name will be around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, I hope so too. And there's the nice thing about Norm is there's, there's a lot of youngsters that really like him. The, the, yeah. you know, the 20 year olds still really like Norm. The, the other parallel I notice between Norm and Dave is, uh, they don't, 
they're both outliers and they don't care about the court of public opinion. They don't care about what's hot and what's not. They don't care about anything except for doing what they think is good entertainment. And, and I, I really, I always really appreciated that, you know, you know, Dave, Dave's had some people on his Netflix show that I'm like, he had Kardashian on. I, I don't, mm. I don't give a shit about Kardashian, any of them, but he, he wanted to find out more and he had her on. So, so. Well, it's the reason that I think that uh, I, I'm okay to host this show is because um, I, I have a lot in my head and I, and I know some, some of the right people and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm also extremely removed from it mm-hmm. and because I'm in from Western Canada, you know, yeah. uh, right now there's being a little documentary that's being made the unlikely host of the Letterman podcast. And, and part of we're delving into that right now, the team that's, that's doing this right now is delving into the whole idea of why the hell is it you that's doing this? And I think uh-huh. so, so, so this is a, a, a parallel to what you're talking about. The idea that Kim Kardashian and David Letterman could be so far removed from each other, mm. right? Um, that gives Dave an honest to goodness, aw shucks curiosity. Yep. Okay, I'm hearing all these things. Everybody's talking about all this. Tell me about it. Let mm-hmm. me ask you some legitimate questions about it. And he's legitimately curious. Yeah. Um, you know, a former uh, a former staffer of the show, long term, uh, you know, worked with Dave for like thirty years. Talk to me about how excited he is with my next guest because he's like, I'm seeing Dave preparing for this stuff in a way that I haven't seen him prepare for in years. Yeah, and it, and it's really exciting to this person to see that, mm. and and it's true. Like the the level of prep that he has when he comes in and talks to these people uh, is evident, yeah. and to me, combined with that curiosity makes it an interesting show for all of us. People, I, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, I didn't know anything about Cardi B. Yeah. But when Cardi B was on his show, or I don't watch basketball, but when Kevin Durant was on that show, I was riveted to it. Yeah. And it's because of Dave's curiosity right. and his way to bridge the gap for everybody else. Right. And he he's lets, so skilled at that. He does let them be them, too. He's not. Oh, he, yeah. he really puts them in a position to have a real talk versus the press junket type talk. I would submit that he expects that, yeah. and if he doesn't get it, he's going to do what it takes to pull it out. Yeah. Um, like Chappelle, when he had Chappelle on last season, which is my, if I had a very favorite episode of my next guest, it might be Chappelle's. Chappelle's, Chappelle's is certainly up there. Mm. Um, I love when Seinfeld was on as well, but um, but when he, when Chappelle was on there, Dave kept pressing for, do you remember the material that it was, the straw that broke the camel's back, of you quitting Chappelle's show? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard somebody laugh the wrong way at a joke. They went the wrong side of it, found the wrong side of the humor. And you just at that point there said, I'm out. Um, and, and Chappelle kind of danced around it a couple of times. But he was he, he pushed for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Chappelle wasn't being authentic. But what I am saying is, is that Dave uh, really, really worked hard to get that curiosity satisfied. And because he does represent the every man and the every woman so well, um, I think that that's where it translates to that universal uh, impact that he has. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, So I wanted, I I wanted to, I mean, okay, we've both professed our love for Dave for about a half hour here. So I think, I think that's, (laughs) I think if anybody listening doesn't think we like David Letterman at this point, then something's wrong. Uh, 
But I, I want to talk about the podcast and the plans you have, because I know you've put a lot of uh, effort into making sure that you're putting out the best content you can. But what, what, what are you... So one of the things you have to do is have like a almost a mission statement when you put a podcast together yeah. so that you stay true to what what, what you want to do. And so what what do you want to accomplish in say your first year of this podcast? It's a great question and uh, I got to tell you thank you for asking that question because those are uh, those are I've got the answer for it um, <laughs> and it's something that I I would encourage Anybody who wants to step out and do something like this, first off, do it. Mm -hmm. uh, just do it. It'll scratch an itch for you, whether it's uh, whether it's an income generator or whether it's just a sole income generator. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is worth doing. Uh, but what Scott is saying is exactly right. The more you zero in, you can drill down. Uh, I hate that I use the word the term "drill down." I'm sorry. Uh, but the more you can, the more you can figure out. You're, you're a business outcome. guy. I'm I'm a business guy too. I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. The, um, the more you can do that, the better the product's going to be, and the more satisfying it'll be. And so for this here, there is uh, I've got a couple now. Now, number one, we've alluded to. Uh, I want to be the torchbearer. I want to be the, the, the guy that transfers knowledge to the next generation. I've got a 25-year-old daughter-in-law who, God bless her, I was showing her um, some footage of Rupert. And, and Rupert's, uh, we've got some great news coming about Rupert here coming down the pipe. I wish I could announce it here. I can't announce it here yet. But uh, Rupert's a good friend of the show. Yeah. We've got some cool, something cool happening. Um, but I was showing her footage of, of, of Dave's and Rupert's legendary bit. Mm -hmm. And she looked at it and she said, oh, that's just what Ellen does. And I was mortified oh. because I'm like, yeah, see, there it is. There it is. I'm like, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> no. Ellen lifted that from Dave, who may have lifted it from somebody else, but I don't think so. I think, I think you know, they were solving a problem. Dave was becoming too famous. So, okay, how do we figure this out? Well, here's a guy who's not famous. Let's just have him saying my words. And, and, and um, you know, brilliant, one of the greatest comedy pieces of all time mm -hmm. um but anyway she's like oh that's Ellen. and no it's not ellen so the big thing for me is passing of the torch of knowledge it is the in my opinion like i said it's worth it bears repeating because of how important it is it's the greatest body of broadcasting work in history and so much of it was just Throw it in the trash because we got another show tomorrow night. Throw it in the trash. We got another show tomorrow night. Throw it in the trash. We got another show tonight. Well, it's not in the trash. And 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 here's where, uh, and thank God, Dave and company are actually uh, feeding this because the YouTube channel is lit back up again. Walter Kim and his team are doing a phenomenal job taking some of these moments out of the trash and, and putting it back in the limelight now. Mm. Uh, but that's that's the number one goal is to transfer the knowledge. Now, how are we going to do that? Well. It's going to be a show that is not scandalous whatsoever. Our show is completely positive. The Letterman mm. podcast, um, the most negative we're going to get is Dave told a joke about Sarah Palin that didn't go well and it caused blowback and there was a bit of a scandal and here's how Dave handled it. Yeah, That's that's as close as we're going to get to negative. Mm. Um, you know, very, very, very few people made it the entire 32 years. Very few people. Mm. People came and they left and they came and they left and they came and they left and they went different places. We're not going to focus on why they left. Mm. If, 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 if and when we have Morty on the podcast, this is this is doing a deep cut. I don't know how many of you listen to who Morty is. If and when we have Morty on the podcast, we're not going to talk about when he got fired. Uh -huh. We're not. We're not. <laughs> we're going to talk about his glory days and, and, and uh, he took over for Barry Sand. 
and uh, we're going to talk about the, the, the glory days of the transition of all of these things. We're going to celebrate the good, and we're not going to talk about because they're a family. The Worldwide Pants Group is a family, and mm -hmm. everything that comes with family comes with that organization. And, and you think about your family uh, and, and the things that happen within it in the extended family. Well, they had it all. And so we're not going to focus on that. We're going to assume we know that. Instead, let's talk about the wins. Let's talk about the good things. How are we going to do that? We're going to have folks who worked on the show. We're going to have folks who guessed it on the show. And then the element, that other element that, we're going to, that we have on the Letterman podcast, we've already got a couple examples of it, are going to be people who were touched by the show. I have a personal David Letterman story, bonafide story, where I was touched by the show, uh, it was photo it was photographed and uh, and I made Dave, Dave laugh and it was photographed and it was this crazy awesome moment. Uh -huh. um, that moment is still sitting with me seven years later. Yeah. Dave would call random pay phones, people would pick up the pay phone, and they're still talking about that exchange 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> we want those people on the show. The people who and let's collect it all together, let's build a community, and 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 that'll be a force to do the first outcome, which is transfer the knowledge. The bigger the community that we get, the better uh, the transfer of knowledge will be. So that's, so you asked for an answer on the outcome and all that. Yeah, uh -huh. we thought it out very, very well. And it's, uh, that's kind of our mission statement. That's, and that's great. The, I think the biggest compliment you can get on a podcast is that after somebody listens to it, they want to do more of a deep dive into everything that you talked about. And, and, and really when I listen to your episodes, it makes me want to do that because, you know, uh, you reminded me of the Carson podcast because I, you know, I grew up on Carson just as much as I did Letterman as, yeah. as a youngster. And I, I revered Carson, uh, you know, all the way up until he ended the show and, but Letterman was a lot more like me. And because I'm an Indiana guy. And so, you know, even though, even though Carson was Midwestern, it just Dave's sensibilities were a lot more like me. So, you know, I, yeah. I clung to him a little bit more, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think the fact that you, you want to bring everybody th that you can, that touch the show is important because they all made it what it was you know one one of the things that i know is in the early days you know i know dave knew what he wanted to do but uh merrill marco really gave him really pushed him over the edge of silly um to to make it as outrageous as possible a lot of those early bits were you know merrill's idea and but he took that and he ran with it and did it right um so it's really and, and so everybody that had a part in the show or a hand in the show really uh helped mold what it became to be uh, well, you said a few, a few things there that I think are, are, are worth noting. Um, I've got an analogy when it comes to Carson Letterman. Uh -huh. um, because, I mean, Dave's my guy. He's my doer guy. He's my Walter Cronkite. He is. Yeah. I'm a Gen X kid. You know, I was one of them flannel-wearing, Nirvana-listening, coffeehouse drinking guys. Like, I was, you know, and, and don't trust any of the boomers. Like, like and, and Dave was kind of my – Dave is my Walter Cronkite. You know, yeah. he really, really is. I trusted what that guy said. Um, and, and because, especially because he said it tongue in cheek, mm, yeah. <laughs> he did say it, you know, I love that. Um, but I have an example of, because I have reverence for Johnny, my dad, 
Never mind Dave. Dave had reverence for Johnny, who was his hero. My dad had reverence for Johnny Carson. So immediately, so the way I look at it, I don't know if you're a Godfather fan, I look at Don Vito and Michael. And Dave's Michael to me. He mm. just is. Yeah. You know, Don <laughs> Don Vito is 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 the earlier, uh, older times, you know, or using a musical analogy, you know, Johnny's big band, Dave's rock and roll. However you want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, but the two are forever linked in the same way that Don Corleone. And, and Michael Corleone would be would be linked up, in my opinion. That's how that's how I uh, view that. Now you also mentioned Meryl, and I mean, I she is. You know, I talk about my top five of people who I want to have on the show. Uh, Tom, I've already had Tom on there, unbelievably um, uh-huh. double episode. And he's been he's a friend of the show. He's been helping me on the other side, uh, you know, in the background, and I'm so grateful to him. It's a dream come true to talk to him. Mm. Um, he's in my top five. Meryl, as well, is in my top five. I, I one of the questions I want to ask her um, because everything that you said about Meryl uh, was true. How she pushed Dave into the more zany sometimes, or mm. or, or into the um, into these some of these. Uh, odder places. Um, I love that. But she also has talked about the number of things that they threw away, the number of premises that they would come up with uh, and it wouldn't make the cut mm-hmm. and, and they just let it go. And I'm curious, like, because I mean, her mind is brilliant. She is, she's a genius. There's mm-hmm. no question to me that, that Meryl Marco is an absolute genius. And I, I, I want to ask her, is there anything that ended up in the trash that you wish they would have gone for? Is there anything and has it been done since? And, and that's, that's one of the, the perspectives I want to ask of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, the last response to, to, to what you said, um, I think it's important to have people who are involved in the show or affected by the show, you know, the payphone person or whoever. Uh, I think that's very important because one of the things that Dave did when they deconstructed the talk show was they broke the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. going to break the fourth wall, and you're going to do a podcast or a, a retrospective or a tribute, whatever you want to call the body of work we're building. If you're going to do that and you're doing it on, 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 on a group that broke the fourth wall, well, you better damn well have people on the other side. Um, and, yeah. and we've already had a couple people on who are, uh, who are definitely uh, would, would say that, you know, they got their memories, they've got their prop from the show that they got, or they, they talk about their memory. I sat beside Elle McPherson or uh, whatever, whatever it was. Um, that, that, that gave them that, that in cement memory, uh, and, and, and tie to the show. That's the other reason too, is because Letterman broke the fourth wall. He did what no other show really did in how he invited the audience, you know, the mailbag and all the different things Mm. that he did to make the audience a part of the show. So, um, I think that was everything you talked about there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, stupid pet tricks and stupid human tricks that came uh, after he. You could tell that he was so excited to talk to a normal person, just a regular Joe. Absolutely, he, absolutely. It, I think I think athletes would fall under that category as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When he had somebody who normal compared to show business, yeah, mm-hmm. in the chair beside him. Also, you know, I think that's a Carson. That's a Carson. Um, Something that he was able—I know they had to really keep the show and make them different uh, from Carson, especially early on. They mm. were very differentiating was very, very important. But when he had Mr. Wizard on the very first episode, you know, mm. there's a guy right there who, uh, you know, or people who are are just normal people. That's something Johnny did as well. The gal with the potato chips. I always bring her up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always—I love that. Yeah. I, that was one of my favorite moments. <laughs> um, you know, he would have he would have her on there. 
uh, you know, the animal people, they would have them on there as well. So there were things that were, uh, that were complimentary to the Tonight Show of the day. And, and, and having normal folks and Dave's demeanor changing and handling with more kid gloves uh, was definitely one of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this earlier, that he doesn't like to get compliments and things like that. Do you think that yeah. he, do you think that he spends any time looking back or is he just a always looking forward type of guy? That's a question that I want to ask him. Uh, if, 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 if it, I'm starting to wrap my head around the fact that there is actually a chance we'll get him on the show. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, at the beginning, if you would have asked me six weeks ago, Scott, seriously, I swear to God, if you would asked me six weeks ago, Mike, you're starting the Letterman podcast. Do you think you'll have Dave on as a guest? I would have laughed and said, not a fucking chance. Yeah. It's just, there's no, there's no way. There's no way. Tom and I joked about it. And he's like, oh, I like that you're complimenting my friend. You're being there. And we're both like, ah, face it. He'll never watch this episode. Uh, he'll never watch this. But I've had, a, uh, there are some people who have been saying, you know what? You might one day be able to be in a position where you can have a conversation with him. Um, and and I, so, I, of course, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I believe I'm ready for it in a way that is respectful to him and mm-hmm. in, in, in what he would want. Uh, and, and that a part of that is not talking a lot about history. Yeah. It's, it, it's talking about moving forward because of what you just said, but there is a question I, I am uh, hoping that one day I, or I, somebody on behalf of me can ask him. And I want to ask him about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm yeah. a very nostalgic person. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that I'm, I'm, I'm doing this endeavor is, is, uh, and, and the team here that we're doing this is because we're nostalgic, um, for this body of work. Mm-hmm. And, and that is still continuing to this day, by the way. I yeah. mean, I'm so grateful that in 2022, I can say it's a good time to be a Letterman fan. Yeah. He's got well-produced stuff and he's got zany stuff on YouTube. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> this is fantastic. But I want to ask him, if he's nostalgic and what he's nostalgic for, I think cars is something that he's nostalgic for, but he doesn't talk about it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's something that's there. And, and, and I'm just curious because he is someone who doesn't like to look at the past. Yeah. Uh, notoriously doesn't like to watch himself in any way. But at the same time, Peyton Manning asked him to come on his show right now. Dave's there and he's prepared and he's, yeah. and he's got, he's got stuff with him to do it. Um, obviously there's nostalgia that is a part of this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, nostalgia for athletics and sports cars, things like that. But I, I would love to ask him about nostalgia and have a, I think he would have a pretty cool perspective in the way he views the world. And even answering that question might get people to get him a little bit more and understand him a little uh-huh. more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel, and I feel like he is, uh, a very like what you said, pick and choose what you want to be nostalgic about, because yeah. I, I'm very similar in that fact in the, you know, I'm not nostalgic about much, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I, I've, I've got this joke that I do that usually gets me a lot of booze. I'm like, I, I, and, and most, Oh, it, by, by all means, tell it here. This yeah, is, this sounds great. Yeah. Most got, of it's, it, it's about Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, you know, we're hanging our hats on Led Zeppelin way too much. And they're a fine band They're They had some great songs. I've just listened to enough Led Zeppelin and I don't listen anymore. And man, I get booze. I, I did it one time. <laughs> I did it one time at a, a show in a 
uh, record store. It's a record store that uh, record store and coffee shop that uh, uh, d- does comedy at night. And uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's the worst thing you can say, but it, it really is way. I mean, it's funny. Aficionados. Let's uh, yeah. Let's lampoon the greatest band of all time in their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm the same way. You know, I was a big Doors fan when I was a kid. I listened to the Doors constantly. I cannot sit through a Doors song to save my life anymore i and i'm always looking for new music you know what what's new um but so i can i can see where dave may be a little bit like that but i'm super nostalgic about dave uh you know stuff like x files and twin peaks and stuff like that i will go back and watch that series again anytime uh you know versus what's on tv now most of it um so you know i uh those things uh you know they meant something to me. And, and that's the way Dave is, you know, Dave, you know, he, he was a part of my life. It wasn't just a show I watched. He was a yes. part of my life, just like somebody that was a friend of mine. So that's, that's yeah. how I feel about Dave. And you can call that reverence and you can, you can call, you can call it whatever you want, but you know, it's just true. And, and sometimes I see the way, he has actually shaped the way I am, you know. So just oh. like, uh, just like a friend would, just like everybody who was on his show shaped the show. So you know, that's you know, that's the way I feel about Dave and the show. And and when you say it's you know the the best body of work that uh, has ever been made, I agree with it. And yeah. and I can't, uh, you know, I I know that others may disagree or whatever but the sure. the fact that he was a force to be reckoned with for so long uh shows that he was the right person for the job well yeah and i mean uh of course uh are you nostalgic dave music would probably be the the number one thing yeah. for for mentioning that i mean clearly uh, a tremendous amount of nostalgia for music um uh yeah i i mean I believe uh, you talk about. Uh, by the way, let's get you Scott Ryan. Scott Ryan, who wrote the Last Days of Letterman, and he's written a bunch of Twin Peaks stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Let's get you guys connected because you guys are going to have an incredible conversation. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> shout out to Scott Ryan. One of the things that he talks about uh, the very first time I interviewed him, it was for a, a different interview that I did with him. Uh, I've got a men's mental wellness podcast uh, as well, and that's where I kind of cut my teeth mm-hmm. uh, in the podcasting world. And, and Scott's a friend. Uh, we, he's been a friend ever since I read Last Days of Letterman, uh, which is an incredible book. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and then Sandler. I talk about Sandler and his song. Both Scott Scott feels this way about Dave, my best friend on TV. And Sandler, in his last song to Dave, famously sang that. Mm. Um, you know, my our best friend on TV. And that's really who he was. You know, I talk about, I went through a divorce um, in the early 2000s. And, and uh, you know, married my high school sweetheart. We turned into different people. And it was just, it was, but it was hard. It was really mm-hmm. tough going through that. And I'll tell you this, um, no more than that time. And this has always been the case for me, especially since Dave changed the format of Late Show a little bit uh, from the beginning. Uh, there was a certain point where he changed it, where the opening remarks of the monologue happened. And uh, it used to be, Paul, can you play me to the desk? And Paul yeah. would have a little jingle, and here's Paul Shaver, everybody, and they mm-hmm. go to the desk. And then after, and then they changed it to, after the monologue, they went to a commercial break, and then they mm-hmm. came back in segment one at the desk. Regardless, segment one at the desk, when I was going through good times and bad times, uh-huh. one of my favorite parts of the day 
was at the end of the day, even if it was a rerun, okay, was Dave at the desk. And later on, Dave sometimes would ignore a blue card that had a piece of comedy sitting on it. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about a bear coming in the house or, or to talk about that was Dave talking directly to camera. Yeah. In my opinion, being himself, uh, he's definitely talked about how uh, he's more himself when that red light turns on. Um, I loved that. And whether or not that was 100% Dave or that was just Dave in his zone or whatever that was, that guy there was one of my best friends on TV. Mm-hmm. And I adored that time. Mm-hmm. That segment of the show uh, was, was one of my very, very favorite times because it felt like you were just listening to a friend on the phone. Uh, that you hadn't talked to for a while. They were just going through stuff. And, yeah. and, and uh, I love that moment. Yeah. And, and he and Paul had a really great chemistry. It was, you know, it, it was almost a frenemy type thing. And, and you know, okay, Paul, you're the musical director, whatever. And 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 then Paul was just over, um, uh, just over the moon for Dave. And Dave's like, yeah, okay, Paul, you know, dial it down a little bit. And sure. uh, I, 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 I love that. I, I was thinking back to my favorite moment before we started recording and he did when he did the, um, uh, the outside segments where he's, uh, going into different places there, there's actually two yeah. of them. It's one, it's when he went to try to talk to the GE folks when, 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 oh. G, when GE bought the show and the guy wouldn't I shake can't. his hand. <laughs> I Whoa. And then Dave, the way that Dave, okay, let's see it in slow motion. Yeah. This where the broadcaster comes out, right? Like again, mm. the broadcaster versus the standup. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, goes to shake the guy's hand and the guy, whoa, he started to, and then pulled back yeah, and then yeah. he, slow motioning that, <laughs> uh, that part of it. Oh, that, but, I mean, iconic. That, yeah. It was great. An iconic moment. Yeah. And the other one was when he was working in a, a fast food joint, and uh, the, the the whole the the whole segment is fantastic. But there's one point where somebody asks, "What's in the kid's meal?" and he just says, "Pack of cigarettes." And, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there's no way that was scripted because you don't yeah. know what they're gonna say. Um, and I just, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that stuck with me for years. Uh, I'll tell you, I have a very, people have asked me this question. Do you have a very favorite David Letterman moment? I mean, I mean, I've got dozens. Uh, there's one moment where I, uh, well, you know what? I don't know. We're live right now, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll, there's a producer by the name of Daniel. I'm not going to even say his last name because I don't want to jinx it. He's coming on on Thursday and, and he produced the uh, Madonna set, segment. Uh-huh. Uh, do you remember when Madonna came on uh, the early, early, early days of Late Show? Yeah. And, and, and she was uh, being... Uh, a nuisance to say the least. She, yeah. was, she was dropping f bombs and she was uh, she was disrupting the segment. You know, they were trying to get Counting Crows on, and and Madonna was. Yeah. You know, it was a very famous 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 segment. Um, and <laughs> right in the middle of it, she starts kind of blasting Dave a little bit, and she goes, "I don't know if I like this new you. You know, you're really uh, uh, you've gotten weak, and you you you're losing your edge, and all of this sort of stuff, and you're." And he just looks at her and says, I can suspend that behavior for tonight if you'd like. And that's my... <laughs> yeah. 
I was just, I, I was, you know, because she's making fun of the fact he went to 1130 and he wanted to, they wanted to broaden out to get a, a bigger audience mm. and then to compete against, hello, to compete against the franchise that has never had anybody compete against them, The Tonight Show. Yeah. Nobody's ever competed for an extended period of time against this franchise. Uh, mm. I can get on a soapbox about that. But anyway, um, <laughs> but the fact is he, 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 he adjusted some and tweaked some things. They brought up Peter LaSalle. They, they, they tweaked some things to make him broader. And the fact I can suspend that, like with that smile, that when Dave has that Cheshire yeah. cat smile yeah. on his face and he did, and he's, I can suspend that behavior for tonight. I just, yeah. that is my, that is my quintessential <laughs> favorite David Letterman moment of yeah. many, many, many moments. Yeah. I love that. That's like softly opening a switchblade. Oh yeah. yeah what a great analogy. <laughs> yes. That's, a, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, Mike, I, I, I appreciate you coming on and I know this is a little bit different than what I normally do, but man, I am just really digging the show. I, uh, the, the Dreesen interview, the thing, the thing about Dreesen is, so when he was my first guest on mine. And oh my God! You didn't. I'm glad you told me that. Uh, I'm glad we didn't do very much of a pre-interview at all. It's just like another. Yeah. Like brothers I, from another mother here. I'm I do. Glad, yeah, wow, I do that. Holy shit! That's amazing. What a cat for your first. Interview. Yeah, I do. I do that on purpose. I, I re, I'd rather get to know you on air than. Me too. You yeah. know, when the red lights on, I'm, I'm at my best. You know, but uh, yeah. but um, when I had him on, he was on Marin uh, WTF probably his episode aired like three or four weeks before I interviewed him. And I listened to what he said because I had seen him do his Sinatra show. Um, not, not too far before the interview and, um, everything that he said to Marin was pretty much the Sinatra show. So he didn't, he didn't stray from that. And my goal was to get him to talk about something different because, you know, He's in his 80s, so he's got you know he he he's got all these memories, and he just wants to regurgitate them sometimes and and get them out. Like talk that. about a torch passer right there, by the way, Tom Dreesen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so when I got him on, um, you know, I was a I was very happy to be able to steer him in some different directions and have him yeah. talk about some different things. And you did the same thing, you know, you, because you had a, a longer interview, he did some of the stuff that he always says. Um, yeah. but he also got into some other stories and some other, you know, like when he talked about, um, uh, uh, being at the desk when Bert Convy had to go to the bathroom, you know, that, yes. you know, that was something that, that, uh, I had never heard before. And yeah. it was, it was really cool that you were able to bring that out. And I think that's why your show is going to do very well because you're going to get that unique perspective. Oh man, from your lips to God's ears, Scott, I, I, I appreciate you saying that, um, definitely intentional. Uh, and, and I think also definitely, the part about that curiosity and that separation is that, um, you know, asking questions that everybody would ask is, is, is a risk. Yeah. Um, now with Tom, it was easy enough because I mean, his or anytime he appeared on, 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 on Dave's shows, I, I really paid attention. Those were my favorite episodes. You know, I talked mm-hmm. about that first segment, uh, that first segment I had reverence for. I also had reverence for whenever he had somebody on the couch or in the, 
in the guest chair that was from his past. I love that. And so Dreesen was a guy that, that was really easy. Um, and again, you talk about a torchbearer. I mean, the guy, you know, it's so weird how two guys from the comedy store come up together uh, and, and, and one's a bit of a big brother to the other one, Tom for Dave. Mm-hmm. But then one of them becomes kind of the, an heir apparent torchbearer for Frank Sinatra, one of the biggest <laughs> stars the world has ever seen. And the other one becomes sort of a torchbearer mentee of Johnny Carson, yeah. the greatest, you know, I mean, it's crazy that those, and they've remained best friends yeah. ever since. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, so much meat on that bone uh, when it comes to, I, I, that's actually one of the ways that I think that maybe there might be an opportunity to get Dave on the show. If, if I could have Tom and Dave doing Zoom with each and I'm just kind of sitting there and every once in a while I'll throw something out. Yeah. Um, you know, the perspectives of those two men are kind of like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit's looking at the, the, the rock giants throwing things at each other. Like they're giants yeah. in the entertainment world with, with, with stories that just, in my opinion, need to be preserved. Tom is making a career out of doing that. Um, and, and uh, I got to tell you, uh, I, I alluded to this on the podcast, but I'll tell you here. Um, when I reached out to Tom, uh, he immediately said, yes, yeah, no problem. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, that, that was easy. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then we, then we got on the phone and, and I told him kind of the mission statement behind the podcast. And I said, look, this is what it's all about. Tom, I, it must be weird when guys like me just start talking to you and we know a lot about you. Well, I've, you know, Redborn yeah. standing up, I've seen all the docs, I've seen, you know, uh, all the things. Plus it was in a special time for me when you were sitting with David Letterman. Thank goodness Tom's not the type of guy that would hear something like that and get all wigged out about it. He uh-huh. understood that it came from a place of purity and and and, uh, and just appreciation and love. Um, but when the mission statement and all that shit came out, he was like, okay, Mike, um, I want to do the show, but with what you're describing to me, I just really feel like I need to get Dave's blessing before I do. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I'm a month into this at this point. Yeah. With a lot of preparation and, and, and a lot of stuff in my corner, a lot of momentum, I get that. But mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay, Tom, that sounds good. Okay, well, I, I guess I'll I guess I'll talk to you when you when I talk to you. Yeah. And he's like, Oh no, 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 no. Dave always gets back to me right away. Yeah. <laughs> unless he's unless he's somewhere, you know, where he can't he gets back to me right away. I'm like, right. okay, click. And at that point I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this thing just kind of got turned up a notch to me and it's all perception. It's yeah. all, you know, but, but at that point there, like the universe was stretching me a little bit and, yeah. and, and thank God the universe didn't play with me that long. About 45 minutes later, he calls back and he goes, Hey, I, Dave is totally fine with it. And uh, I'm going to say this off. Uh, I'm not going to say the specifics because uh, one of the stories we didn't get to, and we're going to tell it the next time he's on. He's like, he wants me to tell this story and this story and this story. He thinks this would be funny. Like, like he actually had bits and ideas. One of them is a really funny one, and I I, I can't wait to execute it the next time Tom's on. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, the night that we shot, so it's like, okay, well let's uh, let's do it tonight. I was like, let's get this done. Like, I can't believe this. I didn't tell anybody about it. I was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. And, uh, <laughs> and so we, we start the recording and I've got my phone kind of to do some pre-shots and, and, and things like that. And we get into it. And, and Tom said, listen to me, I, I, need, to, I need to tell you something. You're going to have some people. And I've got this, I've got a recording of this. We're going to uh-huh. make it part of the documentary. And 
we got a recording of Tom saying this. Look, I talked to Dave, and I told him exactly what your show is doing and whatnot. And anybody who might be a little squeamish about coming on, you tell them that Tom Greeson says that it's we got the we got the we got the seal of approval. Anybody can come on the show. And to hear that from him, you talk about passing torches, but yeah. being the recipient of a little bit of that dust that these guys just it just yeah. emulates from them. It's a yeah. glow. And, mm-hmm. and and when you sit in that, I swear to God, Scott, it was like I met my very favorite uncle for the very first time. It's like, you know, you got a favorite uncle and 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 and, and you know you've got this reverence and, 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 and this re- relationship. It's like I met my favorite uncle for the first time. Yeah. Mike, this is your uncle Tom. You've never met him before, but you guys are going to be good friends. And we we are. Yeah. That's what Tom Dreesen is just, he is an amazing man and uh, has given me fire in this little rocket that uh, that I'm attached to. Uh, I just appreciate him so much. I love that he was your first guest. That's, yeah. that's great. And that was that was by design as well because he was my first comedian. You know, I used to watch him on Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin and Dinah Shore oh, Carson. Awesome. You know, before before Letterman was even around, and he was the first yeah. person I recognized as a comedian that made me laugh. And you know, in the old days, what I would do is grab the TV guide and look for his name on the different talk shows, and I'd make sure I'd watch when he was on. And yeah. and and you know the. I, I paraphrase, we're in a comedy uh, group together and I, I introduced myself by, and I didn't even know Tom was in a group saying that Tom was, you know, Tom was my favorite comedian and stuff like that. And then I, I paraphrased a bit that he did. I'm not going to even try it again because every time I do it, I say it wrong. And then yeah. he came, he, he, he uh, commented on it and he said, no, this is how it went. And he says, Oh, and by the way, I haven't even thought of that bit for 35 years. <laughs> he remembers everything he's ever said. The other thing that is cool between him and Dave is they both did what they wanted to do because Tom oh, could have so. done yeah. so many other things. You know, yeah. he had sitcoms written for him. He he did a talk show for a short period of time. You know, he yeah. you know, he had a lot of things he could do and then he got the Sinatra get, you know, Sammy Davis before Sinatra and then Sinatra and he that's what he wanted to do. And yes. um he could have been more of a household name, um, but mm-hmm. he didn't want to. He wanted to do what he what he what he wanted to do, and yep. and you know Dave did the same way. He did everything on his terms, and that's that's really you don't see that a lot anymore. No, and and Dave did. It's funny how you know Dave did everything on his terms, whether uh, whether he wanted to or not. If that makes sense, like you think about <laughs> the fact that I'm so glad he didn't get the Tonight Show. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. so glad. Oh yeah, because he would have been the guy. Just because the landscape of television changed so much, he would have been the guy where it diluted. Yeah, I think it would have diluted slower. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I yeah. think it would dilute it a lot slower than it did because by him going across the street, uh, I told you this is the subject I go deep on. I can go so deep on this subject. <laughs> it's, I'm passionate about it too. But but I'll, uh, but the fact of the matter is, if Dave would have had his own terms, he would have had the Tonight Show. But what did he get better? Well, because he walked across the street, he literally walked right into Carson's contract, yeah, which included ownership. 
mm-hmm. which included, you know, and, and his only job, and I say that facetiously because it's never been done before, his only job was to build a franchise that could have a lasting competition against The Tonight Show, and it never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I say that, you know, so was it his own terms? No, but when he moved over across the street, it was 100% his own terms mm-hmm. because he wasn't laid out by the, you know, the moment whoever replaced Johnny Carson replaced Johnny Carson, the leash was extreme because ownership came back to NBC and, and the affiliate uh, uh, level of, 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 of Hobnob with affiliates, which is a famous example, but, but so many other things. Oh, we've got Blossom. You make sure you have Blossom on uh, in the first slot because she's an NBC show. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to look at. I mean, and the fact that Dave didn't get what he wanted, but he was able to do his work on his own terms because he didn't get what he wanted. There's many examples of that as well. Yeah. 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 And that's, it's, re- it's really neat to see. And, and, and that's why his show is the body of work that it is. It's, yeah. you know, you, you can put in the time and, you know, I can name any number of uh, hosts right now that are putting in the time and uh, doing their weird shtick and stuff like that. It's, it, it, it doesn't, it, it's not going to stand the test of time. And th- the last thing I want that I want to, um, uh, talk to you about is um one thing you can't uh look over is the fact that um steve allen had a big influence on dave as well so you got to go back and watch some of that steve allen stuff because his his some of his mannerisms some of the silly stuff that steve allen did when when he did the tonight show a lot of that carried through just as much as carson i think um because he he was he was definitely amalgamation of both of them um but and and still being his old man but i love i get down these rabbit holes looking for steve allen videos some of the stuff he did was so groundbreaking and just just fantastic and uh, i see that in dave what dave put out too well you talk about the playing without a net that steve allen went through being live and and yeah. uh and 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 the, the the times um i have a i have a, a, a an affiliation in the pro wrestling business a little bit and, and and i've been invited behind the curtain and and uh um one of the things that they talk about is is the idea of of, of making uh chicken, chicken salad out of chicken chip uh-huh. And, 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 um, Steve Allen, I don't know if in entertainment and again, forgotten, uh, I don't know if there's a man who, who, who was better at that. Yeah. Um, and, and finding, you know, found comedy live, yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. uh, you know, in, in, insane pressure, uh, incredible for doing that. Um, I, I don't like to go through a podcast, whether it's one of my own or, or somebody else's where I, uh, uh, talk about David Letterman in, in any way without mentioning Don Giller. I don't know if you do who Don Giller is. Um, he's the, uh, he, in my opinion, he's the undertaker, uh, or not the undertaker, but the keeper, the record keeper of, 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 he's got the largest Letterman collection of all time. Oh, okay. Uh, he's got everything, everything archived and everything databased. And, and I, I don't know if there's a bigger expert out there. Um, he has on his Giller, D O N G I L L E R, he's got okay. a YouTube channel. Um, and if you haven't watched this, uh, I highly recommend you in particular mentioning Steve Allen. You're going to love this. It's a compilation. And I think it's seven parts long. I think every part is like an hour Uh and it's, 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 it's Dave centered, but it's every single talk show legend 
encounter Dave ever had on the show. So Parr and, mm-hmm. and, and Alan, of course, and, 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 and Carson and all of that, every single time they were on the show, it was their interactions. And they started very, very early. Mm-hmm. You know, when Dave was just cutting his teeth, I mean, in late night, when you look at his early interviews versus who he became in the end, the evolution is, is amazing. Yeah. And the way that Don collected those things together and he put them in chronological order. So you literally watch Dave aging and getting better as he's talking to these legendary talk show hosts and showing clips and showing doing all sorts of things that, um, you know, you see the influence there. Yeah. And to me, that's a fa- Scott, that's a fascinating afternoon. For yeah. me. I know I'm yeah, being nervous because of this stuff. But if I need to, to feel better, I go on the couch and I watch that for a few hours. I was going to say, that's a rabbit hole I'm going to jump into maybe tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. Subscribe to Don Giller's channel, man. He's the, uh, if it wasn't for Don during the dark years after Dave retired in 2015, uh-huh. um, a lot of his stuff would have been, uh, would have been forgotten. But Don has kept that alive coming out with these compilations and whatnot. And I just appreciate that so very much. And I talk about it every opportunity I can just because I appreciate him so much. That's great. Well, I I tell you, Mike, the, the, the podcast is great and I know you're going to do great, but I just, I just, uh, I'm going to be sending people to listen to it. Everybody I know. So I appreciate uh, that, man. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I, I like, I'm kind of a podcast snob and I, I, I really don't, uh, get into a whole lot of shows except for the ones I like. And, and this one really, really, uh, struck me. And, and like I said, I was skeptical. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, some dude's throwing shit at a wall and calling it a podcast. And I'm like, if he besmirches Dave, I might send him a strongly worded email. <laughs> but you're you're doing it right and uh i i really appreciate that you uh brought it up and and you are the right guy to do it for sure oh i i appreciate you saying that and 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 every time someone says that to me it makes me feel uh that much more confident the imposter syndrome thing is is especially this documentary that's being made around me um it's really really helping me delve into the idea of the imposter syndrome and how many times that's just us uh-huh. And, and what we have to do to leave those things behind. These words certainly help. Um, you know, we, we made the decision to do the podcast itself, but also a U, the YouTube show. So what you see on YouTube, you can go to the uh, the Letterman podcast. You can find us on YouTube. We'd appreciate the subscription, obviously, if, if you want to go a step further and like it and, mm-hmm. uh, and share it. We'd appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, so we've got exactly what we're doing here. You know, you've got it on video, but then we also put it up. Audio-wise, uh, where all podcasts can be found, Apple, and, and, and the video version is actually on Spotify as well, um, because it's a show, but it is it is a podcast, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but we want it to be a show, too, where where, where the video is there, and, and, and when we have some of these people on, um, you know, you see the emotion as well as, as, yeah. as hearing it, so we think it translates very well both ways. I'd appreciate any follows uh, and any of that stuff. Uh, we're on the Instagram. I'm not very good at the Instagram, but at the Letterman podcast. Um, uh, we've got a group on Facebook. If you look for the group on Facebook, I really want to grow that group and we're going to be giving away some things. I'm going to be giving away a couple uh, things out of my personal collection. Uh-huh. Uh, some late, late show scripts. Oh, I've, cool. got, uh, I've got some, I've got some pretty cool Letterman memorabilia actually. Yeah. And uh, we've, got a, we've got a bridge from the set that's arriving uh, this week that was going to be part of our background. So we're going to be upgrading the studio and doing mm-hmm. some, some fun things. It's a good time to jump on board. And uh, Scott, I can't thank you enough for reaching out, man. I can't wait. Let's uh, 
let's make sure that this is a friendship that continues on. And, oh yeah. Uh, let's have, let's have you on the Letterman podcast one day. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to do it. Yeah. My, I, I've got enough stories to, we could talk for hours. So yeah. Uh, just th thanks so much, Mike. And uh, folks, make sure you check out the Letterman podcast. The group is great um, in that uh, um, they actually interact with you. So if you post something on there, folks will talk to you. And uh, so some groups aren't quite <laughs> quite like that. Um, so, you know, I, I like that you're putting the effort into uh, making sure that the folks that listen are heard and uh, appreciated. So you're, you're doing you're doing everything right. Thank you, sir. That means a lot coming from you, Scott. I really, really appreciate that. All right.